Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. I am a very practical person, uh, and man, God is interested uh, in the practical, right? He's interested in your everyday life, and he wants to help us with that. He wants to give you heavenly wisdom to help you to live well and to relate well to him and to others, to everyone else in your life, friends, families, colleagues, neighbours, everyone. So a passage like this uh, gives me the perfect opportunity to talk very practically uh, and pretty straightforward uh, about life. So uh, let's start at the beginning. It's always a good place to start. Uh, and it has a very helpful and challenging phrase right there at the start for us. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. It's a challenging little statement. It's the kind of statement which can uh, make some of us squirm a little, perhaps, when we think honestly about ourselves and our life. Uh, It makes me squirm a little bit, for sure, because I realise and I know I can definitely, on far too many occasions, be too quick to speak, too slow to hear especially uh, when it comes to my family, to my children, to a dispute. Uh, I'm way too quick to get in there with my words instead of listening first. It would help me to be a much better parent uh, to start with if I take this on board more and more. And perhaps for some of us, uh, it comes a little bit easier to be slow to speak and quick to listen, But I think for the most part, for most of us, uh, I could say pretty confidently that we will all do uh, well to take this on board, to be mindful of it. Many of us by nature are, in fact, slow to hear and quick to speak. And James is saying pretty clearly, uh, in a very straightforward way, for us this morning, it's actually an unwise way to live. It will not go well for you if you are slow to hear and quick to speak. God has given us, this is an old cliche, right? He's given us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Some of us, I think, do have a real problem with it, um, and we kind of forget that we've got ears sometimes, uh, and we use them half as much as we should, and our mouth twice as much as we should, and then we wonder why we keep getting into trouble, digging holes for ourselves, saying things that we later on regret. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Do you know someone who loves the sound of their own voice? Yes. Uh, Even when they're not talking, they're not listening, they're just waiting to get back in there uh, and keep on talking. 
What about the person who finishes every sentence that you start to say? Does anyone else know people like that? And they always finish them wrong, too. So they never get it right. Uh, it gets a little bit painful to be around after a while. So our little verse here, verse 19, it's a confrontation to that. It says that all of our relationships will work better when every person is quick to hear and slow to speak, right? In other words, let's take the time to listen fully, completely, open-heartedly to the people around us. Listen well first before you speak. My kids were really um, impacted by their principal down in Christchurch, where we lived for 10 years, and he was um, speaking about this verse in an assembly, and he had his tube of toothpaste there with him. And he said, you know, your words are like toothpaste. And he literally just squeezed out this tube of toothpaste. He said, this is what happens when you speak. The toothpaste comes out, your words come out. He said, and can you put that toothpaste back into the tube? Not a chance, right? Got the kids up to try and do it. Just a mess. And so it is with our words. Once they are spoken, once your words are shared, they can't be unheard. There's no erase, delete, rewind. It doesn't work like that. Those words have been put out there. They've been heard by people. They have an impact. Whether you wish you'd said them or not, it's impossible to take our words back, just like that toothpaste. So it pays to be slow to speak because we are so busy being quick to listen, allowing time to think, process, pray, seek a little bit of wisdom before we speak. Then hopefully we won't regret our words. Now in saying all of that, I think that James actually has in mind here, something even more significant than our interpersonal relationships. While let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak is great wisdom for all of our human relationships, I think that James is actually talking specifically about a more important relationship, our relationship with God. The reason why I think this is if you take into account the context, the whole chapter uh, is not primarily written to you as a husband or wife or a child or a friend, employee. He's actually talking to you about your relationship with God as a believer. That's the whole context of this chapter, your relationship with God. So don't get me wrong, it's still always great advice to be quick to listen and slow to speak in every context. And if we implement that into the way that we relate to God, it will undoubtedly flow on and have a positive effect also with all of our relationships with one another. So in a way, James is addressing all of our relationships by addressing first and foremost the most important relationship, right? Our relationship with him. When you approach your prayer time with God, do you use your ears as much as you should? 
twice as much as your mouth. I don't think most of us are very good at that. We tend to go straight into prayer time, speaking, 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 speaking. And maybe just 10 seconds of listening at the end. Uh, Is it any wonder then why we have a hard time hearing from God? Is it any wonder why things don't seem to go our way? Or why we keep getting into trouble with what we're saying? We have to learn to use our ears twice as much as we usually do. So then, how can we listen to God more? And obviously it's not a bad thing to talk to God. He loves that. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't talk to God. But how can we increase the amount of listening that we do to God? Well, the answer is a little bit further down in verse 21. It says we are to receive with meekness the implanted word. And we're going to work, we're going to work our way um, towards that verse, and I'll talk more about that at the end. But just for a moment, let's keep working our way through the passage as it reads. James 1, 19 to 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, keeping in mind that applies to our relationship with God and others. And then it says, continuing on, be slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Challenging, right? Or is it just me that gets angry? Ask my kids. They'll tell you. Firstly, uh, the scripture is challenging us. Uh, How are we going to listen to God or everyone else if we're too busy talking? Now it's challenging us. How are you going to listen to God or anyone else? Well, if you're too busy being angry all the time. And you know, it's true. When you're angry, you cannot listen well. It's almost impossible to listen well when you are angry. It's like anger blinds us and we can't hear truth. We can't um, see priorities clearly. It blinds us. We are acting purely out of emotion. That's how anger impacts our human relationships. And I also think it's true of how it impacts our relationship with God. When we're angry, we can't actually hear from God clearly. We don't see priorities clearly. That's what James is saying here. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let's be real. We all get angry sometimes. Even though you look so placid uh, and calm at the moment, I know because I am human. We all get angry sometimes. Even Jesus got angry, right? Paul says in Ephesians 4:26, "Be angry and do not sin." So sometimes anger is appropriate, and it's not always sinful. But our anger must always be controlled. That's the hard part. Not allowing our anger to lead us into sin. Not allowing our anger to blind us. 
Some people are not in control of their anger. They are controlled by their anger. And at that moment, the anger is sin. And at that moment, their anger is very disruptive to their relationships with everyone else and, most importantly, our relationship with God. The other thing to say is that even though we all get angry sometimes, none of us are meant to be angry all of the time. In fact, we shouldn't even be angry most of the time. Anger should feature in a very small percentage of our life. And to be honest, I find some people are generally angry people. Uh, Anger has taken up residence in their heart. And when you live like that, it means anger is always so close to kind of bubbling over. It only takes a small uh, disruption, a small kind of annoyance, and then it's just anger that spills out. It's not a nice way to live. It's not nice to be around. Uh, Those are the kind of people you're always walking on eggshells around. You don't want to set them off in case they blow. It's probably people like that in our workplaces. So James confronts them and says, man, that's not wise. It's not a good way to live. You can't actually live well with God like that, and you can't live well with others. Let's be slow to anger. Patience, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Another wise man, Solomon, wrote in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. We don't want to be those people. Does anger live in your heart? Has it made its home with you? Is it comfortable with you? Well, James tells us what we should do. Put it away. That's what he says. Evict it from your life. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So here James is taking anger and he's putting it into this broad category of sin. Sin of various kinds. And he says it needs to go. Evict it from your life. Or it will inevitably disrupt your ability to live well and relate well to those people around you And more importantly, it will disrupt and completely inhibit your ability to relate well to God. Anger gets in the way, and it usually leads to sin and selfish action. It was sin that disrupted man's relationship with God in the Garden of Eden, and it is sin still today that disrupts our relationship with each other and with God. So James instructs us, put it away. The anger, the filthiness, the wickedness, get rid of it. So how do we do that? The age-old question, how do we put sin away? How do we overcome it? Here's where we get back to verse 21. It says, 
receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The two words that I really love in that verse are receive and meekness. The implanted word is able to save your soul when it is received with meekness. You see, it's actually entirely possible to sit under good preaching week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and to never actually change or grow, to never manage to actually get in control of that anger or that sin, to never quite put it away. Is the problem the message? Not necessarily. We think, man, it works for some. Why not for me? Some people seem like they're growing. Why aren't I? In that case, the problem probably isn't the seed or the word. The problem is the soil. And Jesus told a parable about the seed that fell in various places having a range of effects. It's a confronting parable. We'll look at it together uh, in the Gospel of Mark. It is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we will look in Mark 4, 1 to 9. I'll read it to you. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus goes on to comment on why he uses uh, parables as a method of teaching, and then he also explains the parable. But even Without getting to the explanation, I'm pretty sure if I asked you, what kind of soil would you want to be? Which of those scenarios would you want to be in your life? We would all say we want to be the good soil, right, that produces, that grows up, and that yields fruit. That is what we desire, of course. So the question is, what makes the difference? Because it's the same seed, Jesus says in Mark 4:20 But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. So they hear the word and they receive it, they accept it. They give honor and weight. They submit to the word, to the seed. And it has the effect of growing that person. And it could have that same effect on every person, except that it doesn't. 
It's the same seed. It depends on the heart that it lands in. And some of our hearts or the soil, uh, as it were, perhaps are a bit toxic or barren or just devoid of the necessary elements that allow the seed to germinate, to take hold, to grow roots and to grow. Some of our hearts are in a state that they reject the seed that is the word of God. Jesus talks about a few kinds of conditions uh, that might see the word be rejected and unfruitful in us. But of course, there's a huge variety. There are others, and James speaks to some of those as well. Things like anger, filthiness, rampant wickedness. And he says, put them away so that the word of God can produce righteousness in you. There are people who hear the word regularly and they know what the Bible commands of them and prescribes for them, but they reject it because they want their sin more than God's righteousness. And, you know, we can make all kinds of excuses, but I think that's the truth of what it comes down to. What do we desire more? And Peter calls the person who sits under the word but rejects it in order to keep going back to their sin. He says they're like a dog returning to their own vomit or a washed pig returning to the mud. We don't want to be those people. God has provided the seed, the word of truth. It is life-giving. It is freedom-bringing. And still... Some people think, ah, I know what it says, but I know better. I'll do it my way. And we wonder why we're always getting into trouble. What are we to do? James says in verse 21, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. I love that. Receive with meekness, with Humility, with an open heart, an open mind. This is the word of God. I'm going to receive it as an authority in my life. I'm going to read it. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to ask the Spirit's help every day to help me to live by it. And you know, we're not going to understand everything we read immediately. Of course not. But let's have that attitude that says, I'm going to keep studying it. I'm going to love the Word of God. I'm going to question it, read it, talk about it, because it has the power to help me grow and to bear good fruit. It has the power to save my soul. The Word of God. There is nothing like it. And that's how James finishes off Verse 21, to save your soul. You know, it's as we humbly accept the word that is planted in us that we're saved. Saved from ourselves, saved from sin, saved from sin's penalty. One day we will be saved from sin's presence. 
that will be heaven. But in the meantime, we are saved from the power of sin. We have the power to overcome it, to put it away. The power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So as we finish, let me read our text again and think about it. James 1, 19 to 21. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What I would love more than anything is today, this week, for us all to kind of assess ourselves. What is our attitude towards the Word of God? How do we posture ourselves as we read the Word, as we hear the Word? We all want the benefits. We all want to be that fruitful soil. But it starts with our heart attitude. Do we come before the Word in humility and with meekness, ready to accept it, to obey it, to hear it, to allow the Word to change us? Every time I read the Word, I am challenged. Does my life reflect this? How are we doing? Does our life line up to the Word of God? It's a challenge. It's hard. But we've got to have the right heart attitude. Say, God, keep changing me. Keep growing me. Keep stretching me. We're never done. God's Holy Spirit is never finished with you. There's always more. There's always room for improvement, room to get closer to God, room to obey His Word more and more. We have to submit to the Word of God in our life, to live by it, to choose His righteousness and His truth over sin. He has the power to save our souls. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.